0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Turn with me to First Peter. We'll be in First Peter this evening. Again, as always, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to open up God's word um, to my family, to my church family. Um, I don't take that for granted. Um, It is a humbling experience to uh, preach the Word of God, Um, and I'm thankful for again for that opportunity to do it. Um, um, I think every one of us in this room, um, we have certain things that we really enjoy. Um, It's the things that we take our vacation days for, that we look forward to the weekends that we can maybe pursue this hobby, maybe it's just something after work that you can get off, and you just, you have these certain hobbies, these certain things that you just love to do. And God has given us so many things in this life to enjoy. So many things. Um, and I'm thankful that he's given us these things that we can enjoy life. It's not just we follow this rule book and it's, a, um, it's just a boring life. No, God has given us so many things to enjoy in this creation. Uh, one of the things that I've absolutely loved um, and I've loved to do is to hike and to backpack. Um, that's one of the things I really enjoy. And this past spring my dad and I actually got to go and take a backpacking trip to Mount Rogers, which is actually the highest peak um, in Virginia. And it was an awesome experience. We got to see a lot of um, awesome creation, some nice um, wildlife. Um, got to go up nice and close with some wild horses there. Pretty cool. They just really were just like, I don't know, scavengers. They just wanted your food. One just kind of followed my dad around for a little while, just hoping he would drop a couple uh, peanuts or something. It was, a, it was a very cool experience. But you know, that just to get out there and enjoy God's creation was, just, was something I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, you know, when we're walking and we're in, when I'm enjoying God's creation, you know, most of the time, uh, it's so enjoyable. But with backpacking, you have to take the minimal things. You have to take exactly what you need. And often, sometimes, if something goes wrong, it can go wrong pretty badly. And thankfully, in this trip that we took, it went pretty smoothly. But there was one, one time where I was a little nervous. Um, it was the first day, and I'm walking. Uh, this is early, kind of early spring, mid-spring, so it was still pretty cold. It was getting down close in the, into the 30s at night. Um, and so I'm walking, and our, our first day of hiking, and I feel just water running down my, my legs. And I took my backpack off, and my water pouch had sprung a leak. Like, the, whole, the nozzle would come off, and it, it got my backpack, or no, sorry, my, my sleeping bag wet, some of my clothes wet. And I got worried, I'm like, I'm out here a long way, a little ways from our, our, our car, and I can't have my clothes getting wet. Uh, it's going to be a very cold night if that, if, that, if that happens. But thankfully, I was able to, to string up my, my sleeping bag and it dried off very quickly. But often I think times in life, we can be walking through our life, enjoying the many things God has given us, and something will happen that we didn't expect. Something will happen that is maybe not what we wanted to happen. Maybe we weren't prepared for something. And it can turn our happy attitude into a time of misery, into a time of uncomfortableness, a trial. Maybe it's a a sickness, a death, a lost job. We can go on and on with the many trials that we face. We all face things that are hard, things that seem to make our life less enjoyable. And often we can seem to get stuck in these trials where we ask God, why am I going through this? Why is this in my life? They just don't seem to go away, and we become miserable, we become anxious, stressed, and we're confused. We don't know why God is doing what he's doing. But I believe in life's ups and downs, a Christian can maintain joy. Some of my favorite characteristics of God is his love and his faithfulness. Wouldn't you agree? he, he loves us, and he loves us consistently. He never lets us down. God is love, and he's faithful to show us that love each and every day. We often describe God's love as unconditional. No matter what we do, no matter who we are, God loves us. Amen? And it's amazing, just as God's constant, God's love is constant in every condition, I believe the Christian is and have unconditional joy. That no matter what we face, joy can be the defining characteristic of a Christian. Not based on circumstances, not based on how we feel, but based on what God has done for us. God wants us to each live a life that is filled with joy. It's one of the fruits of the spirit. It should be a defining characteristic of a Christian, and we're gonna see that today in 1 Peter. So take your Bibles and look with me in First Peter. Let's look at verse 6 to start out this evening. Peter writes, he says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the love that you've shown to us. Now we thank you so much that we have so much to rejoice in. And God, we can each go through life knowing that you're in control or that you want us to be more like your son. God, we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I am thankful for um, the, the, the song that the choir sang, Count It All Joy. Um, and then Pastor Ned came and he read um, a passage from Job. And what better passage to read from to know that God's always in control, that he always has his best will for us. And I notice in verse 6 here of 1 Peter, he says, Wherein do you rejoice? Wherein you greatly rejoice? And my first thought is, there is something to take joy in. So let's look, first of all, at our source of joy. Our source of joy. And so we're going to find that going back. Pastor Brown read these these verses earlier, but in verse 3, we see our source of joy. Here Peter writes, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the, from the dead. Peter brings us right back to the foundation of our joy. That is our hope in Jesus Christ, salvation. It's according to his abundant mercy. Again, God loves us and it's in his mercy that he loves us, that he sent his son to die for us. It's in what Christ has done, not what we have done. What, he, what Jesus Christ has done for us. Notice that the Father hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. We are born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That I hope everyone in this room knows Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they've acknowledged that they are sinners in need of a Savior. And that is our foundation for any type of joy. And what more do we have to rejoice in than the salvation of our souls? it should always be a cause for rejoicing. It is a hope that is confident in the work of God. It is a continued confidence that just as when we got saved, we are still saved. That's not going anywhere. We have this confidence. We have this hope. And it's because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. But also, in verse 4, we have a future inheritance. First Peter 4 says, To an inheritance incorruptible. And undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. May He makes it personal. It's reserved in heaven for you. We rejoice that this present world is not our home. Amen? We do not have a permanent residency here. As a, you know, we're just passing through. And we have an inheritance waiting for us, reserved for us in heaven. And this should give us cause to rejoice at all times, in every circumstance. Even if we're taken out of this world, we're better off than where we are right now. You know, we often can use the phrase that a brother or sister in Christ was promoted to heaven. And that's true. It is a promotion. You know, they have that better off than what we have it right now. To be with Christ is much better than where we're at right now. Paul he, he recognized this, this, uh, this problem, or he, this struggle in his mind in, verse, in Philippians 1 and verse 23 when he says, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And we know that for him, you know, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. There was something far better to be with Christ. I believe the more we get to know our God, the more we get to grow, draw close to him, the more we're going to desire to be with him. And God has reserved that inheritance. We know we have this new nature with us right now when we got saved. But one day we will receive a glorified body, a new earth, a new heaven, much better than the one we live in right now. Much better. All things will will be made new. The things that we think we enjoy now, just wait till we get to heaven and we see how Christ intended them to be. And Paul understood that to be with Christ is much better. And really this should give us boldness to live for Christ today. It gives us cause to rejoice. It gives us cause to live for Christ every single day, knowing that no matter what's ha- what happens to me, I have an inheritance waiting for me. You know, our, our flesh, it's, it is corruptible. It is defiled. And thankfully one day it will pass away. And so I don't think we should get comfortable living in our flesh. Yes, I'm so thankful for the enjoyments God has given us. But we can't get too comfortable. We have to be looking forward to an inheritance, to something that is so much better. But also, another source of our joy that we can look to in verse 5 is our protection. And here Peter writes, Who, that's us as believers, who are kept by the power of God, Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We as believers are kept by the power of God each and every day. We receive Christ, but He not only saved us, but He's keeping us in His hand, protecting us and reserving us for when He comes again. You know, we can go through life and knowing that nothing can happen to us that's not in the will of God. Paul writes to the Romans, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a promise. And we can go to those promises and find joy. I'm so thankful, again, that Christ did not only save us to be on our own, But he saved us to to have a relationship with us and to consistently live for him and with him. We are kept. We are sealed. And he continues to dwell with us every day. He is our heavenly father. You know, all these reminders, all these sources that we've looked to, salvation, and inheritance, his protection, they're all constant. They're not going away. Salvation is permanent. Our inheritance can't be taken away, and God loves and protects us every day. It's always constant. And that's why I'm so thankful that, though we face so many different circumstances in our life, it's up and down, up and down. One thing remains constant, and that is God. And that's why it is so important that we understand the setting of our joy. You know, we all face hard times. It's it's a part of life. I can't just fool myself and say that life is just going to be easy all the time, and that there will never be a moment where I suffer. No, in Scripture we find that that's quite the opposite. I know there are probably many in this room who might be going through a trial, through something that is weighing heavy on your heart. But I know that God gives joy in every circumstance in every setting. And I believe that we can purposely go back to our source and find joy. But what is joy? Let's first look at, go back to verse six of 1 Peter 1. And Paul, or Peter again, says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. He says, wherein ye greatly Rejoice. That doesn't seem to make sense with the next part of that verse. He greatly rejoiced. But what is joy? I think it's important that we understand what he means by joy and to rejoice. I think we should actively take gladness, to be happy in the truths of God. But I think it's so much more than that. I think it's more of a, a state of being, a state of acknowledging who God is. That we, I think joy is knowing who God is and how his grace applies to us in every situation. Again, a joy is knowing and being satisfied in who God is, who He is, His character, and what He has done for us, and how He's continuing to minister to our lives. And again, that is constant, it doesn't change, and He's always with us. But He says, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations or manifold trials. He says, they're in heaviness, they're in grief, they're in distress. They are a hurting people. This doesn't sound like this happy attitude. It doesn't sound like rejoicing. Yet, Peter says, ye greatly rejoice. And those truths, those sources that we looked at, they will always remain, even through the trials. See, Peter, he was writing to a hurting people. He was writing to a people that didn't have it easy. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 1, he starts out his epistle by saying, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout. And goes on to list the different areas. This was a persecuted people. This was a, a people that, you know, they probably have lost loved ones. They probably have had houses taken away. We can read in the book of Acts of how even Saul, the apostle Paul, before he received Christ, went and terrorized the church of God. He was persecuting. He was driving Christians, believers, out. They knew what it meant to suffer. They knew what it meant to, under, to undergo a trial. But God still saw those believers. He saw them where they were at, and God sees us now. And yes, this passage was primarily written to believers suffering persecution. But I believe it still applies to all trials that we will face. It it applies to the different struggles that we will face even on a daily basis. Because we can have joy. You know, Peter says that, that they're going through manifold or various trials. A difference, or we each face a variety of trials every day. But what should our attitude be? Even when we face storms, that seem to be unending we can often feel overwhelmed and we can feel helpless but when we think back to who god is and what he's done we can have joy i love how paul puts it in philippians 4 11 and 13 he says not that i speak in respect of want for i have learned in whatsoever state i am therewith to be content i know both how to be abased and i know how to abound everywhere and in all things i'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Again, for every circumstance, for every trial, we can accomplish it through God's power. To have joy doesn't mean that we just don't have hard times. It means that we rejoice in who God is during those hard times. See, even Peter notes to these believers that it will only last for a season. It's only for a season. Trials will not last forever if you have Christ. Again, most trials that we go through are only for a short period of time. God is often quick to comfort our hearts and draw us close to Himself. See, even in death, God delivers His child to receive that inheritance. So, if you're in a trial right now, know that God will deliver you, it's a guarantee. I reminded of the rainbow, the token of God's grace and mercy that he gave to Noah. That when we see it, we can know that the storm will end. That his grace and mercy is something he loves to show to his people. Even um, Brother Brown shared with us this morning that even in the midst of God pouring out his judgment, he loves to show mercy. And he continues to do that. And he's merciful to, to remove the believer from the trial, eventually. it doesn't promise that he's going to do it immediately. But again, we must trust God. And I think it calls us to rejoice even more in the truths of salvation. Yeah, I believe it's so important that we understand the setting of our, of our joy. But I think it's also important that we understand God's perspective. And that's the purpose of trials. The purpose of trials so look at me in verse seven. Peter goes on to write, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So when we face a trial, God is testing our faith. He is purifying our faith. No, he's saying that our faith might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. It's all for his glory, to purify us, to make us more like his son. He wants to make sure our faith is genuine before him. God is shaping us. I get the picture of God seeking to work out all our infirmities, to work out all our imperfections. I know we can never be completely perfect, but he wants to shape us just as that gold is purified to make us more like Jesus Christ. God uses trials to mold us and to become more like his son. One of my favorite hymns is, is Lord I Need You by Ron Hamilton. And I know Pastor Ned referenced that earlier, or Ron Hamilton and all the suffering that he's had to go through. But he writes in in that hymn, sometimes when life seems gentle and blessings flood my way, I turn my gaze away from you and soon forget to pray. But when the sky grows darker and courage turns to fear, my anxious voice cries upward with words you long to hear Lord, I need you. Again, when we face those storms of life, it causes us to look to God. It causes us to, st- to stop being complacent with who we've become as a Christian. It causes us to, hey, I need God right now for this trial. Even think back to your life, how often have you grown when you've been really comfortable? Probably not very much. You've grown the most when things have been hard. You've grown the most when things have been uncomfortable. And God has a desire to make you more like his son. And the way he does that is often through trials that he sends your way. He wants you to call out to him. He wants you to draw close to him. And oftentimes when things are going really good, we get complacent. We start to rely on ourselves. But we must go back to God to focus on who God is and what he's done for us and how that grace applies to us right now. These truths must always give us joy. They must always cause us to trust him. Now we, in scripture, we are commanded to rejoice. It's often one of the key characteristics of a Christian. It's a fruit of the spirit. But however, joy is also always centered, focused on one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. We must have a proper focus during trial. 1 Peter 1 and verse 8 says, Whom having not seen, ye love and whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Christ is our hope. He must be our focus. He must be the person that we are always focused on. When we take our eyes off of him, that's when we start to stray. But I love that Peter brings out the fact that we have not seen him. We have not seen Jesus Christ in the flesh, but we love him. We still have faith in who he is and what he's done for us and we believe that he is salvation and that he is with us. This brings joy. No matter what storm we face, what trial comes our way, we can believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The world cannot understand this joy. It doesn't make sense. They can't understand that in the midst of a great heaviness, we can have joy. This joy surpasses all our circumstances. It is unconditional because it is focused on our Savior who has loved us with unconditional love. Our focus must be on Christ. And who better to to reference this than Peter himself? We all know the story of Peter on the water. How he got to walk on the water. What What a magnificent experience. But what did he do? He took his eyes off of Jesus Christ. He started focusing on the waves that were surrounding him. And he started to sink. When we take our eyes off of Christ and let fear, anxiety, and stress take over, we will start to sink. We will start to fail. But when our eyes are focused on Christ, we get to keep on walking forward. We get to keep on moving towards him. So keep your eyes, keep your focus on Jesus Christ. When we have this joy, it reflects Jesus Christ. It reflects it to the world around us. I find so much encouragement in 2 Corinthians 4 when Paul writes, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken cast down, but not destroyed. But know this, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. There are so many reasons that God sends trials our way. I think we can often just sit there and we can ask God, why do you choose to mold me this way, to put me through this experience? And if we're not careful, bitterness creep into our life but again God loves us we always have to go back to our sources of joy and the fact that God saved us he saved us not only for right now but for an inheritance when we can always live with that fact and trust him that he has what's best in mind for us and that when we truly show joy when we go through these different trials these different persecutions that the world can see us and they can see Christ. And I hope everyone in this room knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. I hope that everyone is living with joy. But I think so often we get so, we get so taken aback by the storms that we face that the unconditional joy that we should have becomes conditional joy based on the circumstances that we're in. I think that's, that can be just as much of a sin as a lot of the other things we talk about. Because when we choose to become stressed, to become worryful, to start doubting God, that's against his character. Because he's given everything that we need. He's he've, he've given us so many blessings, so many promises that we can always go to his word and find rest, to find joy. We must keep our focus on Jesus Christ. I was uh, in a service a couple weeks ago, or a week ago, and I heard a song sang. I think there's so many great hymns on the subject of joy. But he, one song was saying it's called It's Calm in the Storm, it's by Mac Lynch. And one of these lines um, jumped out to me, but I'll go to and read the whole verse. He writes, when, you, when your life seems like a tempest, when the waves beat at your breast, when the wind is hurling around you and there is no place to rest, then you look out through the shadows and you see him looking too, saying, hush, not to the storm, but saying, hush, now to you. God is not here to always deliver us from trial, but he's here to grow us and mold us through those trials.